0: How complicated is your walk and relationship with Jesus? You know, when we look at the world at the moment, it's ever changing, it's complicated. There's challenges that are emerging right across every sphere of life, not just because of a pandemic, but just in the nature of industry. Intelligence is developing, people are growing, people are maturing in their walk. And so our reality is that we can allow our lives to become much more complicated. And so I want us to ask that thought this afternoon as we begin this journey. Because now more than ever, we are required to be focused, we're required to be experts in so many areas of our lives that we've lost the precious innocence of being able to be simple before God in our relationship with Him. When we think about certain areas, you know, if you're not an expert, if you haven't got a PhD in a certain area, nobody wants to hear your view. Nobody wants to accept anything that you have to say, because automatically there is somebody who's got a better perspective, because they are somehow more learned. And given the world that we live in that's expanding and changing, I think it's time for us to get back to basics. I think it's time for us to renew and realign and refocus our hearts and minds into the simple things of the kingdom of God. In these moments, those things start to emerge once again from our hearts as we clear the clutter We remove the stuff and the excess in our lives that isn't necessary for our relationship with God to flourish, that they're actually causing hindrances on occasions. Now, when we get back to basics, life will always work out for us. Now, that's not going too far the other way, suggesting that we need to be overly simple or even shallow people in our walk with God. But what is important is that we do not ignore our relationship with God and allow things to intrude that would cause or distort it in any way from him ministering to us in a profound and effective way. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark 10. We're going to read verses 13 to 16. You know, Mark 10 here, Jesus is one of only two times in the Gospels where he demonstrates righteous anger. There's a very similar portion of Scripture in Luke 18 verse 15 but Mark 10 verses 13 to 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed them in his hands, and he blessed them. Now the reality is for us, you're living in London, you're living wherever wherever you are in the world, our lives are complicated. It would be foolish to suggest that that isn't the case. And they're more complicated now than ever before with the extension of the internet, social media, life has become busier and more complicated for us. And so we have to find a way of navigating it to a way where we can be more simple in our walk with Christ. Even in Christianity, it's become more complex. Charismatic Christianity, people are always searching for that new deep revelation of God. They're always chasing that next moment where God has apparently moved in a certain city or town. And yet, often, God moves in and through the hearts of people that are fully surrendered to Him. We need to embrace every revelation that He gives us in order to understand God and His heart for us. You know, I've just finished, or just about to finish, my dissertation. And it's about trusting God. And I had to do a tremendous amount of research. And one of the things that emerged from my research was the volume of books that are out there under the Christian uh, banner, if you like, that say we need to do self-effort. They've overcomplicated every single part of a father-son relationship, or a daughter-father relationship. And it's a list of do's and don'ts, uh, hoops that we've got to jump through, things that we need to do in order to gain God's approval, in order to be able to worship him in spirit and truth each and every day. And yet the reality for us is everywhere you see where there's moves of God, people's lives were much more simple. People's lives were much more uh, aligned with God's plan and God's purpose. The paraphernalia was stripped away. The distractions were removed. The chaos and the clutter was uh, chucked out, and we were able to be much more intentional in our walk with God. So when people review and analyse revivals and God's work over the years, We get absorbed and we can become engaged with where God is moving or where God isn't moving. And that allows our hearts to be engulfed and consumed by what is or isn't happening in these moments. Nobody is immune from it. Even the disciples in this portion of scripture believe that the message of Jesus was only for adults. Now I hear you thinking, well why why would that be the case? The disciples thought that they were superior. They thought that they were elite. And yet the reality was most of them came from humble backgrounds. They were at the forefront of the next move of God. After Christ, they were the most important and authoritative religious leaders in the world. They thought that they had a high status. They thought that they knew the Lord and the ways in which he functions. So let's set the scene for a moment. You can imagine that all these mothers are now bringing screaming babies towards Jesus to be blessed. And yet the disciples thought that would be a waste of time. They thought that they should go away, mature, grow up, and come back when they're a teenager or even an adult. And then, then, Jesus would bless them. And yet the reality could not be any more different. And so it came to a shock to the disciples when he rebuked them. Now, the scholars, as I've suggested, state very clearly that Jesus had righteous anger. He proceeded then to show the disciples one of the most central elements of the Christian faith. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. In other words, Jesus is saying that we need to have a measure of innocence. We need to have a measure of simplicity in how we can learn and understand as a child in our relationship with him. And in doing that, we will understand the kingdom of God and its power in our lives so much more effectively. So my first question to you this afternoon is, is that true for you? Are you maybe one of the disciples? Or you may be thinking the way Jesus was thinking in these moments, because we can't be in two camps there. We're either thinking, well, you know, all these things need to happen, we need to be at a certain age, we need to be at a certain level, or you're you're hopefully in the camp of Jesus that making it very clear. Demonstrate innocence, have simplicity, have a clean and a pure heart, and then you will understand the power and the purpose of the kingdom. Now the reality is our daily lives, we make mountains out of molehills. I don't know about you, I know that I've done that on occasions, And we can do that even when we believe in God for the most uh, simple or basic item in our lives. If we are in that group this afternoon, there's only one certainty. Your relationship with Jesus is far more complicated than it actually needs to be. But part of that is threaded through the fact that we are inquisitive in our nature. We love to know what's going on. It's not a sense out of gossip, but it's just an innate part of our nature. We love to be involved in things. We love to understand what's going on in any given moment. But actually, we, we are allowing ourselves to self-analyse our circumstances day by day. That's never healthy. We can be asking questions like, well, you know, Lord, what are you doing in this situation? Or, Father, when are you going to rescue me from that moment? This guarantees that we've overcomplicated our relationship with Christ. Perhaps today you're in a challenging relationship or you've been made redundant. Challenges are emerging in every part of your life. And usually the first question is, why God? We start by questioning Him. What is happening? And what happens in these moments is that we transition from trusting God and having that childlike trust in Him. We start complicating our relationship. We start clouding our view of God, our our heart towards God, maybe even just dull a little bit. Because I have found in our walk with Christ, it's so important to ask God questions, but we should never question God Himself. And yet this passage clearly shows us openness simplicity and ease of access to the father that is how we should approach God as a child of God as a son as a daughter of God let's not forget that we are his children regardless of how intelligent we might be regardless of how much money we earn regardless of how complicated a person we are and believe me we are all complicated we must never lose sight of who we are to the father and we should be able to reach out to him In that role now I recently completed a a module for my theology degree on Pentecostal history and basically what it did was it helped trace the history of Pentecostal movement and in one of those uh, modules one of the things that we learned was where moves of God had emerged where revivals had happened and it was incredible to see the rapid expansion of Pentecostalism the influence the impact that it's made around the world in the last 100, 150 years. But it's always fascinating for me to see how, who, and where God performs the most profound miracles. The reality is that He can use you, He can use me to perform those miracles. But there is a certain type of person that is more open to a move of the Spirit than others. And for anyone that's been on a mission, you will know when you go to certain nations, certain regions, People's lives are much more simple. They go to school, or they go to work, they come home on Sunday, they go to church. That's it, there's no complications, there's no internet, there's nothing to drag them away from God's plan and God's purpose. Therefore, their relationship with God is so much uh, more profound, so much less uncluttered in its journey, and therefore probably far more healthy. But generally, you will find it's in certain nations and regions, Where there's been a move of God, there is much more innocence in the spiritual realm. You know, there's no sense of of attitudes or no sense of mindsets that can creep into Western Christianity. People's lives are so much more simpler. They're much more profound, much more robust in their heart and relationship with God. And there's also no sense of cynicism. There's no sense of prejudging or presuppositions attached to that. They just want God and they want to pursue him to complete and reckless abandon. And so therefore, when people preach, people get healed. That's normal. Nothing needs to be manufactured. Nothing needs to be presented for that to happen. The gospel is preached. People get healed because the spirit has room to move. And so that leads me to my next question. Does the spirit have complete freedom in every single area of your life? Or is he pushed to the margins? Is he pushed to the corners of your life? Whereby he's only allowed to operate and function under certain conditions or in certain seasons or in certain moments that you find yourself in in your walk with him. I want to suggest to you this afternoon that if you clear away that stuff and you give complete undivided access to the spirit, you will see signs, wonders and miracles in every single area of your life. And God will start to use you much more intentionally, much more consistently and much more profoundly to extend his kingdom. So the next thing that we need to also consider is that Jesus clearly teaches his disciples to approach him with simplicity. Love him with all of your heart and all of your mind. Yes, study the scriptures, read the word, but ultimately God is not your lecturer. We don't don't say the words from the Lord's Prayer, you know, our lecturer who art in heaven. No, we say our Father because he's our Father. We have to allow ourselves to understand that He is our Father, and ultimately He wants a clean, a more profound, a more intimate and personal relationship that doesn't involve anything of the world trapping or distorting it or marginalizing it in any capacity. When we say our Father who art in heaven, that's a childlike mindset. That's an approach, that's a name, that's a clear relationship, Father to Son, Son to Father, that is unbreakable. And it's a direct relationship, which makes it much more intimate, much more personal. We are in these moments saying, Abba, you are Abba, Father to me. That is a childlike heart and a childlike manner. Nobody was more complicated than Jesus. We know that. He was the full and defined Logos. He was the very definition of the Word of God. He understands everything. Nothing takes him by surprise. Nothing, nothing that's been made was not made by him. He understands the stock market. He understands the financial structures of the world. He understands science and technology. He created all of it. He's the most complicated person you will ever meet. And yet the reality is, he's the one with whom you can have the most easy and direct access to in every single day of your life. He wants us to be his children. And if you look at the life of Christ, he was an obedient son to his father ultimately he could have done whatever he wanted he's god but he chose to humble himself and he chose to surrender all of his rights because he wanted that father-son relationship with god he much preferred to be a child of the father which leads me to another question is that true of you this afternoon are you the child and is God the Father in that relationship? Or do you, have you inverted that? Have you flipped that around where you think you're in control of your life and your destiny and your plans and purposes. And that God ultimately will have to submit and surrender to you and your plans this afternoon. As a result of Jesus' ministry, he relied solely on the Father. He sought the Father's advice on everything. He prayed to the Father even through his wisdom of the Word of God we see that obedience is right the way through God's Word. Jesus trusted him as a father. He modeled that to his disciples. That's very clear. That's very profound. And when the disciples dismissed the children, essentially what they were doing there was dismissing Jesus. They were dismissing him. They thought that he was about to preach some strong parable, some clearly complicated parable and story. And yet Jesus was thinking, hang on a second here. What is going on? The children here are demonstrating the right attitudes. And these disciples that I've been discipling are demonstrating the wrong attitude. And that can also be true in our own lives. Let's now advance the conversation a little bit. And let's look at Matthew 18 verses 2 to 6 where we see another small example of how God uses children. Matthew 18 verses 2 through 6. Jesus takes the child and sits him, seats him before the disciples saying... Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Now, we know that the disciples were arguing and discussing and and challenging each other on who was going to replace Jesus after he had gone, they're not when they said, oh, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? What they're really saying is who's the smartest? You know, which guy's got the master's, the PhD? Which one's got the best doctrine, the best theology in that moment? They had lost sight of who Jesus really was. We know that the disciples argued about this when when it was clear that Jesus was going to move on. All of them laid claim for their own valid reasons. No one expected Jesus to call a child over to them. Imagine that. Take a second. All these disciples here arguing amongst themselves. They've they've walked with Jesus. They've stood with Jesus. They've been with him and learned from him. And yet Jesus brings a small child over to teach them a lesson. Now I'm sure they must have been questioning Jesus saying, Hang on a second. What is going on here? but then they took a moment to understand what Jesus was saying. If you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, you've got to take a lowly position. You must have childlike trust in him. Then you will be great in the kingdom. That friends is an invitation for us this afternoon that requires a response, which leads me to my next point. Childlike trust. What Jesus is clearly modeling for us is that we must have childlike trust. Now, we have to translate that into our relationship with God. It can't just stay in our head and then we live it out from a place of our head. It's got to get into our heart. It's got to get into every part of our spirit so that we can be effective in translating this in a way that will give God glory. As you understand that, the kingdom of God, heaven will be released over every part of your life. Jesus had this with the Father. Everything he was called to do was difficult. Can anyone witness to that? There are times in your Christian journey where God is going to call you to do something and it's going to be difficult. Your spirit is going to say no. Your head's going to say no. Your heart is going to say no. But you also know that God has called you to do it. It's in those moments that you've got to trust God with that childlike trust. He went to the cross of Calvary with childlike trust. He was in the garden in Gethsemane and he was under immense pressure. He still had trust. In the father he was going to be crucified just after that he still had trust in the father yes he struggled to reason it yes he prayed it through he even said father is this the only way that this can be done i.e. is there a plan B have you got some alternative are you just testing me but ultimately ultimately he knew that he had to trust God and so that's the invitation for us this afternoon we too have to get to that same point in our own walk in our own journey where we completely trust the father but it means that we've got to show it. We have to demonstrate it in every part of our lives. Jesus' trust was incredibly incredible. It was rich. It was childlike. So the question is, could you or do you do the same if you were in a similar situation? If all the chips were down, would you have that trust? Would you have that belief such as these, the children that Jesus was speaking to in that moment? Or... Do we want to allow our own way to come to pass? Do we want to allow our own plans, our own ambitions, our own dreams to stand above God's plans and God's purposes for our lives? We have to embrace the will of God for our lives. Jesus was fully human and fully God. He struggled, but he ultimately succeeded in keeping his heart intact and keeping his trust strong and resolute in God. He had peace to be able to say, Your will be done and not mine. And that's what we must learn this afternoon. So some concluding thoughts. What have we ultimately learned today? The the reality is ultimately and forever, the Father knows best for your life. Last weekend, we just celebrated Easter where he was mocked. He was spat on. He was put on the cross. He died for us. During all of that, he continued to lean into the presence of the Father. He continued to trust the Father. Why? Because ultimately in that moment, that was all he had to trust in. I pray that you get to that point in your journey with Jesus. We must be converted to have childlike trust this afternoon. Now it's not easy because we're complicated people like I mentioned earlier, but it is a journey and it's a process that we can go on. And so there's an invitation to us this afternoon to take some intentional steps To move from maybe being a bit cynical, maybe having a lot of presuppositions, maybe having a lot of our own dreams and our own goals and aspirations, to maybe laying those things down and actually coming back to the Scriptures, uncomplicating our lives, throwing out the stuff that clutters and confuses and brings the chaos, and actually allowing ourselves to fully immerse ourselves in God's Word and engage much more robustly in our relationship with Him. Because the reality is, I don't know about you, but there's times when we can read the Word of God and we find it a little difficult. There's certain things that we have to accept that we may not even like or agree with, but it's God's Word. We don't always get to practice it the way that we should. And invariably, sometimes we'll just agree at a certain level, at a certain standard, but we don't actually apply it into our lives. And here, we've got to start applying God's Word to our lives. And the reason for that is that we don't have that childlike trust. And yet Jesus took it, he embraced it, and he lived it out. Yes, Jesus calls us to be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. He was able to embrace both. We've got to use our reasoning, we've got to use our intellect, we've got to use our common sense, of course. And we need wisdom to understand the world, to understand God's word, to understand our purpose on life. But we also cannot allow that to come at the cost. Of having a pure untainted innocent relationship with the father and therefore there are many things in life that will cause us doubts that will cause us fears but as we retain and as we have belief in the beauty of believing in him in this capacity we will see god's goodness breaking out in every single area of our lives why because ultimately friends god restores We cannot become old and wrinkled in our spirit. We've got to remain young and confident. We've got to continue to move forward in every season, in every moment. He rules and he reigns. Jesus is saying, don't let the brokenness of this world rob you of your relationship with me. Don't allow the chaos and the confusion of what is happening around you to invade what is happening in you. Never allow the external to affect the internal. In these moments, more now than ever, we must be anchored in God's word. We must be much more intense in our relationship with Him. We must be much more committed in our walk with Him. We must be much more understanding His word and His promises over our lives. We have to ultimately become innocent with Him. And that shows that we will enter the kingdom of heaven. We cannot allow ourselves to question God in those ways. We have to retain our confidence, our trust, and our faith in Him and renew it each and every day. There will always be time for God to explain himself to you. If he wants to reveal a plan or a purpose or a reason that something happened in your life, I guarantee you that that will happen. Because God is all-knowing, he is all-sufficient, and in him we have our being, ultimately. So we stand strong on God's word humble ourselves, embrace the power of God, there will be manifestations and revelations through the Holy Spirit as we do that. And as we strip away all the things of the world that seek to bring discouragement and disunity and disillusionment to our lives, we will rise victorious and glorious and be able to move forward with much more purpose and power in every single area of our lives because we will have that childlike faith. That's the journey of discovery for us today, friends.